Again, we return after quite a hiatus. We return to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm really happy to be back with you in it, although I do love to go through topical sermons that are helpful during uh, busy times. Uh, I'm concerned to always try to be following Paul's example. As he says to the elders in Ephesus, for three years I did not fail to teach you the whole counsel of God. And uh, and, um, that's what we want to do. We want to go through all of the word of God exegetically through the chapters and verses that we don't skip over, that we're not ignorant or negligent of things, and that we have the building of redemptive history and in its canon and closure of scripture, all the way it is connected together in the consent of all the parts systematically, but understanding going through the history of the Bible is what makes things like the letter to the Hebrews make sense, right? Uh, The book of Romans and all these things. Uh, So may the Lord bless us as we come back to it. And as we're coming back to Deuteronomy, we come back to the Ten Commandments where we left off in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we'll be looking at verses 12 through 15 this morning of Deuteronomy 5, the fourth commandment. If you don't mind, I'm going to get a little bit more water here. Hopefully I don't make you thirsty (laughs) looking at me. Okay. I'm also going to be making a lot of use of the Westminster Larger Catechism. uh, And I'm sorry I didn't remember to remind you about that. Um, If you have it with you, feel free to follow along. Don't worry if you don't. But I remind you as we're going through the Ten Commandments again, What I've decided to do is use the larger catechism as the main way to look at it, although I'll bring out some special things with Deuteronomy today. Uh, We've been through the Ten Commandments many times, through the larger catechism pieces, uh, through Exodus and other places. Uh, So I'm I'm going to the larger catechism, but much more in a summary form, using them in in one sitting on each commandment. So uh, I'll be relying heavily on the larger catechism, and there's extra stuff related to the Sabbath day. So I'll thank you for bearing with me. Hear now the word of God, Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. Uh, I I think I will need to keep drinking water. I won't keep announcing it. I'll just do it, and thank you for your patience with me. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord, the Ten Commandments, and in particular the Fourth Commandment, the center of the Ten Commandments, the largest by far, the place and sign of our identity of God's people. The Fourth Commandment, the Sabbath. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, beginning with verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commandeth thee to keep the Sabbath day. May the Lord bless the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the obeying of his holy word. Again, we return to Deuteronomy, return to the Ten Commandments. 
Let me give you a real quick review. The book of Deuteronomy is a covenant renewal peace treaty. The second generation of Israel who were uh, the young people, the children, when they were at Mount Sinai at Exodus 20 that we just read, they are now adults. They've had to wait 40 years for all their parents to die off except Jacob and Caleb and Moses will have to stay behind. And they're about to go into the promised land. They're at the promised land again. They're about to go in through, across the Jordan. And um, God is reviewing in Deuteronomy his law. He's bringing up new applications of it as they're about to ready to go into Canaan. And so there are new things applying to the promised land. But what he's basically saying in Deuteronomy is, my law remains. You remain my people, and as my people, my law remains for you as a way of life. Not a way for earning life, but a way to live the life that God has given us graciously. While they've changed in many ways, nothing has changed. God will still have them rest. You know, it's amazing even as you say that, how how we tend to rebel, and so many people rebel at the idea of a command to rest. What a gracious command, isn't it? He will still have them as his people, which is a lot of what Deuteronomy is testifying, and therefore he will still have them act like his people, which is Deuteronomy. He will still have them rest, the fourth commandment. It is their destiny, remember. Eternal rest is our destiny in God saving us. It is our identity. Eternal rest in Christ in the new heavens and the new earth, is our identity. We'll rest from all our works. We're reminded that we rest. We do not try to earn salvation by our works. But in heaven, though we will work, it will not be like work after the fall. It'll be an eternal day of rest, an eternal Sabbath. God delivered his people from working as slaves to the world unto rest in his holy service. I give that to you as the main idea of this text today. We're reviewing a lot with the fourth commandment, so in some ways it's cursory using the catechism. I won't get into everything as close as I have other times, especially when we were in Exodus 20, or especially the larger catechism through it originally, where I didn't put it all in one sermon. But as we think about what's different in this command today, here's what I highlight to you again as the main idea of the fourth commandment in this context. God delivered his people from working as slaves to the world unto rest in his holy service. Deuteronomy does have a difference. It's reviewing the fourth commandment, but there is a difference. There's an emphasis on the reason to do this. There's an emphasis, uh, a reason annexed. We're We're taught in the larger catechism that when the Ten Commandments give an extra reason annexed or attached, that's particularly important to study, to recognize and understand the commandment. And we have a reason annexed today. It was a different reason in Exodus 20, God's creation and his own rest in creation. As an example to follow, a creation mandate and ordinance. Here in Deuteronomy, we have it a little differently. God has created again. He's created a new people, a redeemed people to live in his new creation forever. He is telling us to do this today, particularly to remember our freedom from slavery to the world, to sin, to Satan, to bondage. 
Still, we're going to go to the Westminster Larger Catechism question and answers 115 to 121. 115 just says, what is the fourth commandment? And it gives the answer by quoting Exodus chapter 20. So as it does go through some of the questions and answers, it's focusing on Exodus 20. We're still going to benefit from its teaching, but we'll draw in some of the distinctions of Deuteronomy and this different reason annexed. The point of the ten plagues, remember that we are finishing, going through almost in Exodus. Let my people go. I'm taking my people out of slavery to a false god, Pharaoh, and a a false world view and life. I'm taking you out. But, But not only to that, why? What did Moses say again recently to Pharaoh? Let me go, let my people go, let our children go, let our livestock go, that we can go and worship God. The word Sabbath means rest. It means to cease, to cease from work. It's, it's more than that. My Hebrew professor would say there's so much involved in the, in the idea. But it's generally this idea of rest, uh, ceasing from things that can exhaust you. Uh, giving yourself to a different kind of a thing than you would other days. You might think about it like a holiday or taking a day off from work or celebrating a family's birthday or anniversary where you, you take a break from normal things to give special honor and attention to a relationship and to a person. That's what the Sabbath is. But it's also about our own persons. It is deliverance from work. It is deliverance unto the Lord of the Sabbath. It is delightful to think about these things. That's what the Sabbath is for, to delight in the Lord. It is to delight in these things. Oh, beloved, delight in your deliverance on the Sabbath and delight in your deliverer on the Sabbath. That's what it's for. Don't let anybody make you a slave to their laws and not have the freedom to walk in liberty with the Lord and rest on his day and delight in the Lord. We're going to look at Isaiah 58 and how much if you delight in the Lord, if you delight in the Sabbath and honor it, you will find yourself delighting in the Lord. You'll find yourself the way it's described in Psalm 92 that we sang. The message for you this morning, delight in your deliverance and your deliverer. Delight in your deliverance and your deliverer. That's what the Sabbath is for. That's what it's about. Here on this, the Sabbath day, as we are doing that, may the Lord cause our hearts to delight in our freedom in Christ and in Christ who has made us free indeed. First of all, delight to defer to God on his holy day. Delight to defer to God on his holy day. Don't do what he says not to do. You know, deference is, okay, well, this is what I was probably going to do, but I'll defer to you in your instructions. Delight to defer to God on his holy day, such as in Exodus 16. Exodus 16, which is before Exodus 20 with a formal reminder to remember the Sabbath day, because it's been from creation. Exodus 16, he's telling them, I'm going to give you manna six days a week. Go gather it every day. But don't keep it overnight, because if you do, it'll rot. Trust me, I'll provide the next day. That's a memory to remember. That's something to remember, right? And then on the day before the Sabbath, the eve before the Sabbath, I'm going to give you double. So you do not need to gather on the Sabbath day. Don't do it. 
But some people went out on the Sabbath day anyways to gather manna, and there wasn't any to gather. There's a principle here we're going to look at a lot. Work six days and rest on the Sabbath day. Trust God to provide extra what you need and prepare properly for the Sabbath day so you don't have to be doing things that are not restful, that are not holy and special and set apart, that do not give you the opportunity to have the proper delighting and reverence and relating with the Lord that the holy day does. Don't do what is forbidden so that you don't miss out on the delight and the blessing. God will provide for you plenty on the other six days and double the day before the Sabbath, but he will not bless your work if you don't trust him and you do what he says you should not do on his day. Whatever you think you're going to do to just skimp and get ahead, steal from the Lord's day, and that's going to get you ahead for the week, it won't. It will just make you more tired and exhausted, more stressed, and it'll start your week the wrong way. You will not have spiritual things happening the same the rest of the week. If we can't give ourselves to one day for the Lord exclusively and protect it, even from things that are not sinful on other days, then we should not marvel over the fact that we barely devote ourselves to the Lord and read his word and praise him the rest of the week. It's to fill us up to do so. But if we don't fill ourselves up with him on the Lord's day and we fill it with things that are fine but not holy, then don't be surprised when we struggle to be holy the rest of the week. I look with you first, although not the first question in the series on the Sabbath, I look with you to the Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer number 119. Larger Catechism 119, what are the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment? Again, delight to defer to God on his holy day. Don't do what he forbids, therefore. What are the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment? Answer, the sins forbidden in the fourth commandment are all omissions of the duties required. We're going to study that later in another question. Not doing what is required is forbidden. All careless, negligent, and unprofitable performing of them. So not really putting your whole art into it. Think of, this, think of the prophets who say, you, don't, you give me the worst, you don't give me the best. And being weary of them. Ah, oh, I got to do this Sabbath day. Well, there you go. That's what you're going to get out of it. What, the attitude you put into it, right? All, before I continue, I, I've shared many times, but I remember Derek Thomas saying uh, there was a man in church who came to them and said, wow, you are preaching so differently. I am just so blessed by your preaching lately. And the songs we're singing, wow, I'm just getting so much out of them. And he said later, we didn't change anything. God changed him. So may the Lord change our hearts and bless our attitude in the way we approach the Sabbath day. Or we can walk away complaining it's exhausting and problematic, but that's just because that's how we approached it and that's what we put into it. That's forbidden. All profaning the day by idleness. Ah, we don't just be lazy on the Sabbath day. We just have a different holy work to do of worship and study and devotions. That's forbidden to just lay around and be lazy. Uh, what else is forbidden? Doing that which is in itself sinful, and by all needless works, uh, words, and thoughts about our worldly employments and recreations. 
That last part, I think, is what we really need to highlight the most. Things that are okay to do on other days, but they are needless to do on the Lord's Day. It can wait so often. And this is something we'll see later uh, for those who lead households. We can say to our brethren, our families, it can wait. Let it wait till tomorrow. It can wait so that we can wait upon the Lord. It can wait. These things are not sinful. Doing the laundry is not sinful. Cleaning the house is not sinful. Cooking is not sinful, and I know we need to do some cooking on the Lord's Day, but thinking about the manna, uh, it wouldn't be bad for us to try to do all we can to minimize how much we need to do by preparing the day before. Highly recommend crock pots. I don't have any investments in crock pots, but that kind of an idea, you know, having ourselves prepared to minimize, and I particularly think of this for our ladies who tend to be the ones providing for our food. Let's help them, men, to remind and encourage them to have things prepared and to help them as much as we can, peel some potatoes and carrots, have things ready so that we can click it on, and when we come home, we can just minimize uh, what we need to do, especially between the services, so we have more time to rest between them so that going to the evening service is not so difficult or a drag. All these things that we can be doing on other days. You know, uh, as I have been meditating and remembering Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 is one of my favorite scriptures. I'm gonna, I've got it marked so I don't mess it up live with you. That always happens when I try to do it live. But um, one of the things I'm just blessed is, is refrain from your own words, refrain from your own pleasures, refrain from your own thoughts. I'm being more careful not to talk about what I have to remember to do tomorrow. I'm being really careful as a, trying to be a better example as the father and husband in the home. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Or we should have talked about it last night. But now it's the Sabbath. Let's be careful not to plan our week today. Look at your bulletin insert, by the way, which in God's providence just happens by Mr. Poitras to so often reflect right exactly are with the Ten Commandments. He just wrote it this week on the Fourth Commandment. He has been delayed as well. I sent him a message. I said, once again, brother, I think he's in Florida, and he writes for the Alliance as I do. He said, I said, it's unbelievable. We're doing the Fourth Commandment after a long time off of the Ten Commandments. And he's like, wow, that's so neat. And, um, but notice, he says, don't be going after each other on the Lord's Day after church. Hey, trying to sign you up for this, trying to sign you up for that. Even church business, busy stuff, we should be careful. Now, there's some wisdom and discernment. We don't want everybody to be pharisaical and fearful, but we want to be careful that we're not just using the Lord's Day to catch up with one another during the week when we ought to have been calling and talking with one another during the week. Right? This is not to say there's not place for works of necessity and mercy, of course, as our standards will show us. But so many things just don't have to happen today. I mean, you can think about the, the obvious things. Like for me, I'm a big football fan, but I will not watch on the Lord's Day. And I got to tell you, that's been one of the best things for my life because I'm one of those guys, I can't watch my team without getting crazy. My dad used to say he couldn't watch me wrestle in high school without feeling exhausted afterwards because he'd be there. And I'm the same watching football, my team. My daughter likes to say to people in the past, she said at a young age, I don't really like to watch football, but I love to watch my dad watch football because <laughs> I'm entertaining, apparently. You know, I'm a little crazy. Uh, I'm all in it. But I'm telling you, it's stressful, especially if your team loses. I identify far too much with them. My brother says, why do you say we? You're not part of the team. If we, you, know, you know, exactly. But I'm we in God's people. I should focus on that. It's been a blessing. It's always a temptation for me. I, I just love it. I enjoy it so much. But it's been a blessing to not give myself to it on the Lord's Day. 
just for my heart, just for the way I feel on the Lord's Day. I mean, I used to, just partly out of ignorance, partly out of sin, I used to go home after church to watch a football game. And I and, and didn't usually have an evening service, or if I did, went back. It's not the same. We just don't have to do it. I'll tell you what, though, during the week when my team has a few games or on this Thanksgiving, I'm watching, baby, and I'm planning everything around it, but not on the Lord's Day. And it blesses me, and it blesses my family. You think they enjoy the Lord's Day the same day if I'm distracted, especially as a pastor? It's not spiritual. It's not holy. And it's a day for holy spiritual activity with the Lord, a special devotion to that. Ah, It's fine to watch a football game other days of the week. Don't make it an idol. It's fine to enjoy it. This does talk about recreations. Recreations other times of the week is fine. We don't need to go bowling on the Lord's Day. Right? Things like that. I know I'm alluding to some other discussions out there with that last comment. But uh, that's what we're looking at first, deferring to God, delighting to defer to God on his holy day. What you say I'm not supposed to do, I won't do it. I won't do it. Sins forbidden. Now, verse 14 of our text, Deuteronomy 5, is most relevant to this. Look with me at Deuteronomy 5, verse 14. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. We'll be coming back to this for a lot of that in one of the other questions of the catechism. But what we want to highlight here is don't work. Don't do any work. And what is it talking about? You take off on the Lord's Day. If you're not a nurse, if you're not a doctor, if you're not a police officer, you say, I'm sorry, I can't work on the Lord's Day. And if it's required, you find another job. However much sacrifice it must be, might be often in another place in the world, really that's not a big problem here in America. Not if you care about it. When I started getting convicted about it, I told my boss, and I was in a management position where once a month I had to be at the Pittsburgh Zoo and Aquarium, and I had to be there on the Lord's Day in case anything happened, drive around on the golf carts. Hey, the rest of the week, I love doing that. But I started to realize, no, not on the Lord's Day. I started to take off even when I was younger. don't know why I got away from it. As I started to be more involved in church, even before I knew enough to be convicted about it, I started not working on the Lord's Day. That was a protected day. I won't do it. That's what we need to be doing. Every other day, work hard and be available all the time. So, for instance, Rachel now, with her first job, said, anytime you're available, make it happen. So that the days you need off, they are happy to give to you. And she's wanting to be careful to protect Wednesday night service, although that's not required by the word. It's a blessing to be able to have that together. But the Lord's Day is required of his people, and she has that off. So the rest of the week, work hard, work often, work late, and get up and work early. And she's doing that. And sometimes you can tell. (laughs) But then today, rest. And you know what? It's different than you try to get little pockets of resting here and there than one day of rest and worshipful rest, which I'll appreciate your prayers for the pastor. It's difficult for the pastor, and it's difficult for the pastor's family to protect that the same way. Just like the Levites, they're working on the Lord's Day, and it is lawful, but it isn't the same as what I could sit down with you on vacation and have someone else preach to me and serve the Lord's Supper. 
So pray for us that we can protect our time and make the most of it and find other times with family worship because it's a little more challenging. Beloved, you have the gift of being served on the Lord's Day, morning and evening, being fed with the word in a way you struggle to have time for during the week. Protect the day. Delight to defer the Lord. Delight to keep it open. When you're going on vacation, what do you do on your calendar? You mark the whole day off, right? <laughs> Nothing is going on this day on vacation. It's blocked off. It is not available. That's the Lord's Day for you. Defer things that are okay other days. And if you're on vacation, what do you do with the Lord's Day? You go to church, wherever you are, to find the best one you can. And it isn't a bad idea to plan your vacation around where you can worship best. I am preaching as someone that generally does that. And it's a great blessing, the fellowship, the things. I mean, the development of our relationship with the church that has supported us tremendously has come out of the fact that on one of our family vacations a few years ago, we came down the mountain on the Lord's Day to worship there. And the Lord just blessed things to happen with the relationship there. And it's led to tremendous blessing to this church this year. I'm not seeking credit for it. What I am saying, honor the Lord's Day, including on vacation, and look what he does with it. Tremendous blessing which is what he promises in Isaiah 58. We'll, we'll get there again. Uh, besides sins and a sinful attitude, don't do things that are lawful on other days. Be careful at the home. Protect mom. Help mom and others who are inclined to feel like they always say, oh, no, 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 no. Today we're going to be merry, right? No, is it Martha in a merry world? Help me out. Which one's the one that rests with the Lord? Martha? It is Mary. Okay. Sorry, I have a hard time keeping things together. Mary in a Martha world. On the Lord's Day, we're going to be Mary. Right? We're going to be Mary, not going to be Martha. And if we don't, the rest of the week, we're not going to be Mary. We're going to be Martha. Right? There's a place for work, though, but we've got to set it up properly with the Lord's Day. Isaiah 58, we'll come back and forth to. I encourage you to memorize it. I'm going to, I have it marked to make sure I don't forget anything. Verse 13, I want to focus on two parts of it, but let me read it for you. Isaiah, this is my favorite verse on the Lord's Day, by the way, the, keeping the Sabbath. It's such a motivation to delight in the Lord's Day. Verse 13, Isaiah 58, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath. By the way, you might remember a long time ago, we heard an explanation of that with Pastor McCurley. It's the idea of as if you're about to step on and trodden the Sabbath day disrespectfully, whatever you want to do. Turn it away and honor it the way it's to be kept. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. The middle of this verse is positive. We'll return to it with duties required. But notice, as we think about what is forbidden, the beginning of it, turn away from doing thy pleasure. And the end of it is, don't do your own pleasure, don't do your own ways, don't even speak your own words. And that would even start with our thoughts, right? Control what you allow yourself to even think about which will control what you do, what you say, what you take pleasure in. You know, don't turn on the scores even if you're not watching it, right? And, and I'm not saying I do that perfectly or that I never wonder about it or I, don't, I might not in the late evening look earlier than I should, but generally keep working on that. Don't do your own pleasures. Don't, 
talk about things that you think you want to talk about today, but should be reserved for tomorrow because it's not holy and it's distracting you. And don't we all need a lot of help to think about God and devote ourselves to him in worship? I mean, who doesn't need help? He's given us a day to do that. If we'll restrict our ways, not doing whatever we want to do, i got to be careful. Boy, that's a couple of sermons right there, isn't it, with the church today? We don't do things that God says not to do on his holy day. That's forbidden. And it takes discipline. It takes deliberate devotion to avoid by preparing for the week. And that's going to get to more positive things. Prepare through your week to have the Sabbath blocked off and everything revolves around the Sabbath to show that our life completely revolves around the Lord of the Sabbath. Delight to defer to God and his holy day with what you do, think, and say. That's negatively what you won't do, positively what you will do by reserving a place for it in your minds, in your bodies, in your calendar, in what you do today. Delight to do your duty to God on his holy day. Delight to do your duty on God, uh, uh, to God on his holy day. Delight to defer to God on his holy day with what's forbidden and to keep things open. And then so you can fill them by delighting to do your duty to God on his holy day, what's required, so that it becomes what it's supposed to be. As we see in Leviticus 23, verses 2 to 3, and how to be led by the Levites, a day of holy convocation. That is a special event for separate devotion. Again, just like a holiday or a graduation or an anniversary or a birthday, you set it aside for a special moment of celebration, a special opportunity to relate and rejoice together, have a special meal together, just as we will with the Lord's Supper this morning. You set it apart so that you can make it a holy special thing, that you can do special things that you've reserved yourself to do. Let's turn together to Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer 116. We've looked at things forbidden in 119. Now we look at, well, what do we do positively? What are our duties required? What is required in the fourth commandment? The fourth commandment requireth of all men the sanctifying or keeping holy to God such set times as he hath appointed in his word. Before I continue, sanctify or keep holy. When, when we want to or someone says to us to try to justify doing something that should be forbidden and re- reserved for another holy day, even if it's good, we just need to ask this question, but is it holy? Is it something holy? Is it a special, worshipful, holy activity? That has to decide what we do on the Lord's Day. Keep it holy. Do holy things. On such set times, expressly one whole day in seven. So the Sabbath day, especially one whole day, expressly in seven, which was the seventh from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ and the first day of the week ever since. And so to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath and in the New Testament called the Lord's Day. Now, I'm not going to preach to you a long message about how there still is a Sabbath for Christians in the New Testament. You can go to the Westminster Larger Catechism series for that when I pick apart this question and answer over several Lord's Days. 
But I will give you the scripture references I've jotted down, uh, which they also have. Look at your scripture references they give you with the catechism. But I highlight Hebrews 7.12, Psalm 22, verse 22 and 25, Hebrews 2.12, Psalm 40, verse 9. Uh, But in particular, if you look down for the references, I have it as uh, letter Z for question 116. Sorry, i got to take a swig of water and my eyes are not working too good here. Revelation 1, verse 10. Let's go there. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. There's many other scriptures. I do give you a long sermon on proving that there is a Christian Sabbath. But let me not distract too much. I'm focusing mostly on the duties we are assuming we recognize and we know. We've gone there many times in sermons and scriptures and the catechism that the, the Sabbath continues for the Christian. It's just... It doesn't say it has to be Saturday. It has to be one in seven. So the Lord left room to move it to the first day of the week. Why? Because Christ was resurrected on the Lord's day. So every day we get together. By the way, 52 weeks of the year, we celebrate the resurrection. Every Lord's Day is Easter Sunday. Amen. We are always looking forward to our own resurrection in Christ, worshiping him because he is resurrected and ascended on his holy day to give our attention and devotion to that. These are duties required, but let's look in the text itself, back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, for some of the verses that speak specifically to the duties required in the uh, fourth commandment. Verse 12, to begin with, uh, which begins the whole section, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Notice again, the Sabbath is what? Is it an option? Is it a suggestion? Within its context and several times within its own uh, verses, it's called a commandment. Remember from Exodus 20, from the creation, but it's still a commandment of God. It's highlighted among the Ten Commandments of God. It's a commandment. And what is the commandment? To keep the Sabbath day and sanctify it. Is that, that is to remember to do it and keep it holy. Do it in a holy way. And that ultimately really does need to start in your hearts, but it'll be doing it the way the Lord says. Verse 13, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Yeah, you got to work and work hard. That's also a creation mandate, remember. Work is hard now because of the curse, but it's still a creation mandate. And for a Christian redeemed in Christ, work should be something we love to do. It doesn't mean we don't struggle, we're tired, we have sin, but generally we should go to work with a good attitude. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. So many in the world begging God for a job. Thank you, Lord, I have a job in this place. Thank you how good I have it with my job, especially in a place where we usually have all kinds of benefits most people never even can consider throughout the world and world history. Work is a creation mandate. Work is a blessing. It is just like the Sabbath commanded before the fall. We're still to work and love to work and to work hard, but six days of the week, following God's example, resting on the Sabbath. But here's the thing. If you don't work hard during the six days of the week before the Sabbath, you are risking violating the Sabbath when you try to catch up with everything you should have been doing during the week that you were lazy or undisciplined about. Or on Saturday, you should have started earlier and planned it better. Let's not make excuses to violate the Sabbath day because we don't use the six days before it appropriately. So that's required, he says. Work six days of the week. And then verse 15. Remember, you were, sir, we'll come back to the end of it. Uh, Thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So again, you're God. So notice there's this connection. You're my people. 
this is the way you connect and relate to me. We'll talk about that more, but I've commanded it. Work hard six days and then rest the seventh day, a rhythm of life and worship for God. Keep it holy, that is, consecrated, separate, special. Preserve it to be precious in your practice. And when he says keep it, remember that's different uh, than when it's given in Exodus 20. It says remember the Sabbath day. Here it says keep the Sabbath day. They are being reminded by the review of this, right? But now he says keep it because remembering it, again, is more than acknowledging it. It's doing it. Don't forget to do it. Obey and live the Sabbath according to the way I say. Again, not as a way of earning anything, but a way of showing that you are Christ's and you are God's and that you're not of this world. Isaiah 58, we return to verse 13, and I want to highlight the middle part. But let me start from the beginning, verse 13 of Isaiah 58. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and the last part is don't do your own pleasure, don't speak your own words, don't do your own ways. But the middle part says instead, here's the duty required, positively, call the Sabbath day a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and honor him. Now, notice, Delight in the Sabbath day. Speak well of it. Oh, got to get up to go to church. Oh, man, got to go back to church. That is just like he warns in the prophets. Do not approach me in worship like that. And how much of that attitude is because you didn't do what you should have done the rest of the week? Approach me gladly. Delight. I get to go be with Jesus in a special way. I get to go to be with God's people. Psalm 122. I delight. I rejoice when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Woo! I get to go hear the word preached to me. I've struggled all week to have time. I get to sit back and be served a meal and help to understand the word of God like the Bereans. Approach the Lord's day like that. Delight in it. I delight in it. Oh, I'm tired. And it is a sacrifice to get to church. There are so many distractions that can make it difficult. Nonetheless, go with a good attitude and trust the Lord will bless you like a palm tree once you're there. And if you don't go with that attitude, you will take nothing good from it. And it won't be that it isn't good. It will be that you approached it with a bad attitude. And therefore, you won't grow in your relationship with the Lord. But if you do, you will grow. You will delight. You will love Jesus more. You will grow closer to God and his blessing. Look at verse 14. If you'll delight in the Sabbath, seen in what you do and don't do on the Sabbath, if you delight in it, then, verse 14, shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. We all need to grow closer to God, and the way, the primary way he uses to help us grow closer to God is honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy, especially in the public assembly and worship, hearing him and experiencing the means of grace that we don't get to have throughout the week. We come and honor the Lord's, on the Lord's day, and then we will find ourselves delighting in him. If we struggle to want to spend time with him during the week, oh, maybe we did do the Lord's Day, but if we're not delighting in it, then we don't delight in him through the week because we didn't prepare ourselves to. 
Notice not only that, the reward alone is that you'll delight in the Lord if you delight in the Sabbath day. But beyond that, he says, I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Oh, you will have a heavenly perspective that you need in this world throughout the week. Amen. If you're going to obey his commands not to worry and instead to have contentment and peace. And I will feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And boy, when he says that, when the prophets say the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it, it's an emphatic, the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Not only do this and don't do that, delight in this, and then you will delight in me, and I will bless you. And if we're missing the blessing, it's because we didn't come to bless him. If we're not delighting in him, it's because we didn't come to delight in his day. We let it be a day of drudgery to us rather than delight. May the Lord work on our hearts and cause our activities to be right, but starting rightly in our hearts about them. These are the duties required. When you reserve your own things for the other six days of the week to reverence the seventh, God will bless you with himself. Just like when you take off special time to be with your wife or with your children and enjoy them in a way you don't get to when you can't focus on it in them due to busyness. Delight in the Lord by delighting in his day. Because it's ultimately not about your rest, but making it holy. Notice, unto the Lord, back in Deuteronomy 5. Unto the Lord. Consecrating yourselves unto the Lord your God. Look at verse 12, the second part. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Verse 14, the first part. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. That's where I'm getting unto the Lord. The Sabbath of the Lord. Verse 14. The Sabbath is... Of, for, unto the Lord, primarily. But when we delight in him, we're blessed by him in it. J. Ritterboss points out that Deuteronomy adds the words, as the Lord your God has commanded you. It's a reminder to remember to do it. It's like, don't forget to sit at Jesus' feet and lay down in his green pastures. Don't forget to sit and drink of his still waters that he would restore your soul and help you to walk in his passive righteousness for his name's sake. Now, how do we do that? We've, we've got a gist of it, but how do we sanctify the Lord's Day even more? The catechism will take us there as well and give us guidance. Look with me, if you have it with you, or listen. Question 117 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. How is the Sabbath or the Lord's Day to be sanctified? So, beloved, particularly may the Lord help us remember and apply how to do it. The Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by an holy resting all the day. I would remind you, Psalm 92, morning and evening worship sacrifice. The, 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 the Psalm for the Sabbath day. It helps you preserve the whole day. The Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by an holy resting, holy resting, not just resting, a holy resting all the day. Not only from such works as are at all times sinful, 
but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole time, except so much of it as is to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy, in the public and private exercises of God's worship. And to that end, we are to prepare our hearts, and with such foresight diligence, and moderation to dispose and seasonably dispatch our worldly business that we may be the more free and fit for the duties of that day. I'm struck by how it talks about preparing ourselves, not just preparing our days and our week, but preparing ourselves that we're more free, the day is free and open to us, and we're free for the day, but also the more fit that we're more fit and ready to delight in it, that we would delight in the Lord and get something out of it and unto the Lord. Worshiping him in spirit and truth. The whole day, private and public dedication. John D. Currid writes this. If we kept the Sabbath as Christians, then our lives would improve dramatically. How many of us never do an in-depth study of God's word for lack of time? How many of us never visit the lonely or the sick for lack of time? How many of us begin the week exhausted for lack of rest? Holy rest, remember. How, many, how much time do we spend in prayer and evangelism? He goes on to say this, The Lord has made provision For all these things, by giving a Sabbath to his people, God makes a wonderful promise to those who keep the Sabbath. And then he references, actually he quotes Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. God makes a wonderful promise there. Remember what we've just looked at. Beloved, do you struggle to spend time in the word and in the spirit? Here, God has given you a whole day of worship in his word preparing you for the eternal day of rest. So delight in your destiny on God's holy day. Delight to defer to God on his holy day. Delight to do your duty on God's holy day. Ultimately, that you would delight in your destiny on God's holy day. Remember, this is a peace treaty. Deuteronomy especially in, in capsule form, the Ten Commandments, we looked at that in Exodus. We look, look at it again as the whole document of Deuteronomy, but then again the Ten Commandments in micro form. It is a, it's reflecting a middle, uh, excuse me, in, in, uh, a Near East ancient peace treaty. Now, do you remember what we learned there? Two copies were given. God said, write two copies down. One was for the king, one was for the people. They each got a receipt of their commitment together. God's their God, protects them. We're the people we obey and live for him under his protection. And God does that. They're they're both in the ark because God's with his people that way in the ark, right? But in that peace treaty of the laws from the king, where the people agree and receive it, it, the center is where the king would put his seal of ownership and identity with the people. That is what the Sabbath day is in the Ten Commandments. It is God's signature seal of being your God and you being his people. It is right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, and it is by far the largest of them. 
it is right there in the middle, showing and saying that it is the perpetual sign of being his people. Keep Deuteronomy 5, Mark, but as we're not far away, I'd like you to turn with me back to Exodus chapter 31. The Sabbath is a sign of being God's people. Keeping the Sabbath is a witness of being God's covenant people, and it continues to be, though the first day of the week now, the resurrection of Christ. Exodus 31, verses 13 to 17. Exodus 31, 13 to 17. Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Well, there's some, some pretty serious stuff said there. We are not a theocracy now in some of the implication, but there ought to be, as there used to be in much of our nation, blue laws, days that are protected for the Sabbath with uh, the violators will be prosecuted in some way appropriate for this time. But what do we highlight here in verse 12? The Sabbath is kept for a sign between me and you throughout all generations. It, 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 re, it, it states similarly to what we've been looking at in all these verses in the catechisms. What I want to highlight here is it's a sign. God says, keeping the Sabbath day is a sign that you're my people and that I'm your God. So what testimony and witness does the church give today when it doesn't do it? When it takes off for something like Christmas when it falls on the 25th, which is nothing ever commanded by God. And it doesn't get together for worship on the Lord's Day. What witness is the church giving when we take off and do other things? I was talking to a pastor this week. He's struggling. He's not sure if he's going to get fired back in Pennsylvania because he says, I'm keeping the church open for worship. Some were saying, but we're going to go to this community event for some kind of worship, which was a lot of things that he said was was really, there were problems with it. There were biblical problems with some of the worship. He kept the church open and some just complained about it and said, this is horrible. This is really bad. We should have shut down church today, they said. What witness are we giving when we go and blend in with the world for their events? Especially if it's even an ecumenical kind of a worship sort of service, but we shut down the church. We need to gather together out of the world. The assembly of God, kahal in Hebrew, ecclesia in Greek, is to be called out of the world unto assembling before God for worship and servicing him. Now, it's a seal. It's God's signature right in the middle of the peace treaty covenant of the Ten Commandments. It's spoken of explicitly as the sign of being God's people, showing that you are. In Exodus 31, the Sabbath was the basis of their calendar year. Everything else, other events were all revolving around the Sabbath. J.G. McConville points out there was the Sabbath year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was a Sabbath year of resting. Leviticus 25 verse 4, it was based on the concept of freedom. 
25.10, it understood as a restoration of the whole society to its ideal condition as a community established by the saving act of God into justice and blessing. He says the Sabbath command in Deuteronomy also enshrines such a concept of society. It participates in Deuteronomy's memory of Egypt and its eschatological thrust towards the ideal of a society enjoying freedom under the rule of God. He's pointing out that even then, it's saying we're God's people. We are pilgrims in this world, as, as they're all spoken of in the New Testament. We're on our way to the celestial city, the promised land. And the Sabbath is a sign that that's where we're headed, to the eternal day of rest in Christ. So in Hebrews 4, it warns us, quoting Psalm 95 repeatedly, building off of Hebrews 3, don't miss out on God's rest, for there remaineth a Sabbath rest for the people of God, it says in Hebrews chapter 4. That's New Testament. Hebrews 4, verse 6. I turn with you now to the larger catechism number 120, a special reason given to obey the fourth commandment. Now, I want to point out to you, this is drawing on Exodus chapter 20, but I don't want to skip it. There's much to be reminded of here, and we did read Exodus 20 today for the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, but then I want to draw out some specific reasons annexed differently in Deuteronomy. But let's not forget Exodus chapter 20 first. Question 120 of the larger catechism. What are the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it? Drawing on Exodus 20, it says, the reasons annexed to the fourth commandment, the more to enforce it, are taken from the equity of it, God allowing us six days of seven for our own affairs, and reserving but one for himself in these words. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work from God's challenging a special propriety in that day, a special ownership of it. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. From the example of God, who in six days made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, and from that blessing which God put upon that day, not only in sanctifying it to be a day for his service, but in ordaining it to be a means of blessing to us in our sanctifying it. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Notice there especially, he ordained it to be a means of blessing in our sanctifying it. When we delight in it, when we bless it, he will delight to bless us with his special presence and work within us. God blessed the Sabbath day, so there's a blessing to be had in it. And the reason, however, here is more focused in Deuteronomy. If you'd turn back with me to Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. We're given a different reason because they're about to go into the promised land and they need to remember from whence they came and where they're about to go. Verse 15, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commandeth thee to keep the Sabbath day. It's a very different reason. In Exodus 20, verse 11, we are given the creation ordinance, God's example and his hallowing the seventh day of rest. Here, we're given a different reason, although not unrelated. His deliverance from slavery out of Egypt is the reason. That is, they've been created into a new people. P.C. Craigie 
points this out. The two reasons, Exodus 20 and then differently here in Deuteronomy 5, the two reasons complement each other and both emphasize man's dependence on God as part of God's created order. First, the creation of God's, uh, excuse, excuse me, first, God's created order of the world, and then secondly, the creation of God's people as a nation. But the same focus is also in the preamble of both of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Notice this, the reason given to honor the Sabbath day is the same reason given to keep all the commandments as given in the introduction, the preamble of, in the historical prologue of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And in this case, in Deuteronomy 5, you're about to go into Canaan, a land full of pagans, worshiping false gods, and I'm getting rid of them because of how wicked and evil their life is because of those false gods. And they don't want anything to do with holiness. They will not encourage you to keep a holy day. Remember, as you go in there, you are sanctified. You are called out apart as a holy kingdom of priests, a peculiar nation. And keeping the Sabbath day will be your primary witness to who you are as you go in there. Here, they have been rescued and are about to go into a new land and must not go back into slavery. That is, forgetting who they now are. Beloved, don't you and I need to be regularly reminded of who we are in Christ, including with the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day, so that we don't go back to slavery on Monday and throughout the week. The Sabbath helps you remember your special identity of being redeemed people, and it shows that to the world, and it shows it to yourself. Thus, it is especially important that your church leaders and your parents see that we all honor the Sabbath. And I should say, husbands, see that you honor the Sabbath day in holy behavior, in holy rest, in holy worship. So I turn with you now to the larger catechism, question 118. Larger Catechism 118, why is the charge of keeping the Sabbath more specially directed to governors of families and other superiors? The charge of keeping the Sabbath is more specially directed to governors of families and other superiors because they are bound not only to keep it themselves, but to see that it be observed by all those that are under their charge. And because they are prone oft times to hinder them by employments of their own. Ah, because we are in leadership over others, especially as we, in that case, might have our own farms, our own animals, many servants, because it's not just children who we can tend to have do things for us, but also servants. We, we can be tempted to have people working for us. And so we're reminded, make sure that you don't cause other people to work. Let them rest too. This is why we do not need to do what most of the church does and make eating out for lunch one of the busiest restaurant days of the week, right? Who's the greatest clientele on the Lord's Day making people work? Christians who ought to be home, resting, and not giving a reason for others to be working. As one example. There's a danger that we can cause others to work, but also there's a necessity that we protect others. We need to be the leaders in our home. So... Wives, children, 
members of the church appreciate that we have a special burden and responsibility as fathers, husbands, officers, pastors, elders, especially deacons, to lead by example and to call upon you when you might stray to do something we ought not to do on the Sabbath, to protect you from work and stress and risk of uh, God's displeasure, and to cause you to delight and delight in the Lord and be blessed and enjoy what you should be getting out of the Sabbath. When we're careful, we don't want to be Pharisees. We always need to have uh, reasonableness and wisdom. But generally, we want to be setting the stage at home. If we're going to be watching anything on the TV, it's going to be something about Christianity. It's going to be a a special lecture. It's going to be perhaps a a special movie. If we're going to be letting the children watch something while we're preparing for dinner, it needs to be a cartoon that's teaching the Bible, for instance. These are things we try to work on. Do we do it perfectly? No, but we want to try to preserve those things. It's dad's job. It's the husband's job, particularly, to lead us, to protect, to guide, to keep saying, I I want us to talk about that tomorrow. Not, you know, but leadership, example, uh, wooing one another to benefit from the Sabbath day. It's our job to do that. And notice, that's in our text. Look at verse 14. Deuteronomy 5, verse 14. Again, the catechism are only teaching us what is there. Exodus 5, 14. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. Notice, even the strangers, even the foreigners, who a country usually loves to take, care, take advantage of foreigners, right? Protect them too. We're going to see that in Deuteronomy a lot, by the way. It's going to offend many of the talking heads on the quote-unquote conservative side of the radio dial. God cares about immigrants. He cares about those who are not citizens. He cares about that we treat them all the same and give them all rest, and we don't take advantage of them so that we can rest. Notice, not just our children, but our animals, our servants. If we have people working in the home, give them the day off so they can go work. Have them worship with you. Bring them along. Bring them into the devotion. That's what they were understood to be doing in the times where they were called masters, when there were oftentimes people in the home serving the house they get to rest. They get to worship too. Needs of necessity and mercy. They can help you make a meal. Somebody's hurt. You can take them to the hospital. You can apply a bandage. But generally, we're all to rest. We have a special responsibility to lead us in that. Parents, leaders, your responsibility is to help your family and your church know its identity in Christ. Remember, when we are careful about how we do this in our homes, we're saying to the neighborhood around us, we are Christians. We are resting in Christ. We are waiting for Christ's return and the resurrection. While all of them are watching you, why are you so different as they see you come and go to worship in clothes that represent that you're doing something special? That's not meant to be uh, some kind of uh, pharisaical um, requirement, but just that they do recognize that you're not going to the movies, that you're not going to a ball game. You're going every Lord's Day at an exact time, morning and evening, and your neighborhood will start to recognize and say, who are you? I'm Christian. I'm going to celebrate the resurrection again this Lord's Day. And my hope in my own resurrection in Christ, my first fruits of it. 
You're helping your family know they're Christians, identify themselves as Christians to themselves and to the world as you preserve the day and guide them in it. And by the way, notice in this commandment where it says heads of households are to be doing this, they're especially responsible. Notice it doesn't mention uh, the wife. It's implied that the wife is the helpmeet of the husband. It talks about the daughter, the son. It doesn't say make sure your wife rests. Why? Because it's understood and applied. The wife is part of the head of the household with you. And if you're not there, she will be preserving it with the children. If she's there, she's supporting you as the helpmeet for it. Husband with wife is implied. Mom, help your husbands. Women, help your officers. Help follow with them with a proper attitude of respect. Like, again, the lady we saw in the Philippines, who didn't have her husband leading her. She had seven kids, remember? This is from Pastor Burley's photograph given to Elder Renner, shared it in the pastor's post-e-devotion this week again. She walks three hours, six hours total. She has seven kids. She could only, at this time, bring four of them and handle it over rugged ground, often in dark, to get to the shuttle to get her to worship. And they marveled, and they said, why are you doing this? And her answer, I need to get my family around the word of God. And she understood in worship in the church is particularly on the Sabbath day where that is manifested and makes its most gracious growth. That's the way we have to be leading our families. Why do you keep the day that way? Why do you not do things and only do these things? I need to get my family around the word of God. Notice, you also need to be keeping the Sabbath, watching, your, watching it over land. The field is added. This idea of the field. We're going to have, um, uh, Meredith Klein points out, there's, there's a relation to the field in the broader context. We're going, to ne- we're going to have our own property now going into the promised land. So we have to think about how we're going to manage our land. We're no longer walking through the the wilderness land, as we are entrusted by God with property, how will we show his propriety in it over our home and over our property, including in the church here, what we will and will not do on the Lord's Day? That we could do other days of the week. There's a temptation to be about business on the day. Govern your week and your day and your family on your property. In fact, also, there's more animals, more details about animals is spoken in Deuteronomy than in Exodus in this command. Because you're probably going to have more variety of things you own in the promised land. And be careful, they all have their opportunity to rest. Once again, God is going to prosper you if you still honor the Sabbath day. God's going to bless and prosper you more, especially spiritually. If you honor the Sabbath day, notice it is exhaustive. It incorporates everything. Though we are to rescue our people on the Sabbath, it's not to work them on the Sabbath. Think about that in the New Testament. Oh, but we're allowed to to save an animal on the Sabbath, right? Jesus points to that. We're allowed to eat food while we're walking through the field. Yeah, of course. We're allowed to do mercy ministry. If the animal is in a hole, we can pick them up on the Sabbath. Yes, but he doesn't say so that we can put the yoke on his neck and make the animal start to work. They need to rest on the Sabbath. Lift them out of the hole and let them rest. Don't work them. It's easy to forget, which is why we are told to remember. Question 121 of the larger catechism. Question 121. And this is the last area we go with the catechism. 
Why is the word remember? Now, this is referring to Exodus 20. Why is the word remember set in the beginning of the fourth commandment? The word remember is set in the beginning of the fourth commandment partly because of the great benefit of remembering it. We being hereby helped in our preparation to keep it and in keeping it, better to keep all the rest of the commandments and to continue a thankful remembrance of the true great benefits of creation and redemption, which contain a short abridgment of religion, and partly because we are very ready to forget it, for that there is less light of nature for it, and yet it restraineth our natural liberty in things at other times lawful, that it cometh but once in seven days, and many worldly businesses come between, and too often take our minds from thinking of it, either to prepare for it or to sanctify it. And that Satan with his instruments much labor to blot out the glory and even the memory of it to bring in all irreligion and impiety. Ah, remember that. What did we learn about John Owen today? What was he famous for saying related to mortification of sin? Kill sin or it will be killing you. Sanctify the day or Satan will make it an unholy day. Instead of a blessing delighting in God, it'll make a drudgery where you curse God in some way, complain against him and his providences. And what did Owen say? The best way to kill sin and grow is to keep giving yourself to Christ, filling yourself with Christ. What better way to do that, Lord, than come and celebrate his resurrection on his, the Lord's day, this Christian Sabbath, the first day of the week. Remember. It's easy to forget. Now, in Deuteronomy, uh, in verse 12, it says observe, but it means don't forget to do it. It is easy to forget, and thus forget who you are. And that's the important thing again today. This is all about your identity, not as slaves of the world, but saints in Christ. If you don't remember, you'll forget who you are if you don't keep the Sabbath. Verse 15 And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. He says, remember who you were. You were slaves. Just as I say in the preamble in Exodus 20, and I say it again in the preamble in Deuteronomy 5, so I give it to you instead of my creation ordinance in Exodus 20 as a good reason to do this, and that I've made it holy. More importantly, because I've made you holy. Remember, I've made you holy servants of God. I have saved you out of slavery to Satan and to this world and to the idea of that you have to work for your salvation or you have to work all the time and never get a break and you can never rest in God and you ought never to think of Christ and rest in him. You always have to be thinking about yourself, working hard, giving yourself ultimately as a slave to the world. God rescues you from that, and he says, keep the Sabbath day because it is my identifying mark on you. And it reminds you who you are in your identity with me. You are no longer slaves to the world. The Sabbath reminds you. So don't act like it by obeying them and ignoring and defying God on the very day designed for you to especially identify with him by resting in him, anticipating your eternal rest in Christ on the last day to the eternal day of everlasting delight, worshiping God and the Lamb. It is delightful 
to rest on the Lord's day. I remember once, and I think I've shared this before, it's coming to mind in a presbytery exam. Another student was being examined by the elders and pastors. And one man asked him the question, have you gotten to the place in your walk with Christ that you recognize that the Sabbath is a gift from God? That's where we have to be. It's a gift. We get, you know, yes, we always have to fight against sin. But we need to recognize this is a gift. Praise the Lord for the Sabbath. Whatever I got done, whatever I didn't get done, whatever I wish I would have got done today, I can just let it all wait and I can worship the Lord and rest in him. And I can practice trusting him and not worrying about tomorrow. Of all days, we should obey the command not to worry about tomorrow. The Sabbath day is it. As it helps us focus on eternity with him, all will be well. Get to the place where you truly delight in the Sabbath, that you would delight in the Lord of the Sabbath. Again, Isaiah 58, 13, and 14. It is delightful to rest on the Lord's day and remember who you are in Christ, a new creation, free indeed. This is what you're saying together today as you come and worship Lord. He's called me out of this world, in it but not of it. I am free to rest and worship him. I don't have to be slaves. They don't even know they're slaves. That's the thing about slavery. It makes slaves not even know they're slaves after so much conditioning. They don't know they're slaves, but they are. God has freed you and freed your mind. You're free indeed in Christ. I say to you, Shabbat Shalom. Someone said that to me this week in an email. I don't think they understood exactly the kind of religious group we were, but I thought, that's interesting. I'm preaching on the Sabbath. I'm going to look that up and remember what it means. Shabbat Shalom is what the Jews will say to one another. Shabbat Shalom. I'll give you two websites that explain what it means, and it ought to be something we can say today, Christianized on the Lord's Day. One uh, person shares on Quora.com, Shabbat is Hebrew for Sabbath, and Shalom means peace. It is a common greeting, Shabbat Shalom, is a common greeting on Friday evening or throughout the day until the evening on Sabbath, for them Saturday. You are wishing someone peace on the Sabbath or, and this I highlight, this as I underscore, we say Shabbat Shalom as you're anticipating the Sabbath day. You are wishing them the peace that the Sabbath itself brings if you observe it. May you bless the Sabbath that you'd be blessed. May you delight in the Sabbath that you delight in the Lord. Shabbat Shalom. Brandonton.com explains similarly. When Jews say Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath peace to family and friends, after a draining work week, we mean far more than have a peaceful and restful day. What we are really saying is, may you be restored to wholeness on the blessed Sabbath. Delight in the Sabbath. Delight in the Lord as true Jews trusting in Christ. The day moved to the first day of the week because of Christ and his resurrection. Promising that we don't have to work our way to heaven. We can rest in Christ and there we are in it. Even now. Especially experienced as we wait for the rest that still awaits the people of God. Hebrews 4. Beloved, this is the identity. This is how the people of God express themselves approaching the Sabbath. It's our structure of the week. It's who we are. It's what we build our lives around. It shows we are God's people. 
It shows we are Christ's. It shows we're in this world, but not of it. It shows we're free indeed, new creations, redeemed. It shows we're looking for the new creation when the earth and all is redeemed at the resurrection, praising the Lord, no longer groaning, where we worship with our new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth in an eternal day. That's who we are. That's what we say to ourselves, to one another, and to God and to the world, that our identity as God's people is that we keep the Sabbath. We identify when we do it with God by resting from the world in him who is eternal peace. And it is still for Christians. That was in the answer to the larger catechism, but I give you the shorter catechism, number 59. From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be the weekly Sabbath. Notice the beginning of the world. And... He's appointed the Sabbath to be the first day of the week ever since the resurrection to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. P.C. Craigie writes this, There is no clear evidence of a Sabbath day or of time construed as a week apart from the Israelite tradition. Thus, the fourth commandment once again established a point of distinction between the religion of Israel and that of her neighbors. Nobody else has a Sabbath every seven days. They might do it on lunar things and lights. John D. Currid concurs. The distinctiveness of the Sabbath depends on its not using the lunar and solar cycles to measure time. Other ancient Near Eastern cultures relied upon the movement of celestial bodies, not the counting of days. Perhaps the Lord has us in Psalm 92 counting our days one and seven so that we, it would teach us to number our days and apply ourselves to wisdom, Psalm 90. This is all he references per Revelation 1 verse 10 that says it was the Lord's day, the Christian Sabbath, in which God gave John the revelation. The principle remains in force for Christians, though the day changes. John D. Currid also says this, The relationship of the Sabbath to Exodus from Egypt is directly analogous to the relationship between the Christian Sabbath and the resurrection of Christ. The Christian celebrates the Sabbath on Sunday, that is the Lord's Day, because it is the day of his liberation. It is your identity. I am in Christ. I am free indeed. I'm free of this world that wants to put its shackles on me and run my life into the ground, into the depths of hell. Beloved, as you approach the Christian Sabbath with delight, you are refreshed in your redemption, your Redeemer, and your freedom, your eternal future and Christ's peace, which is not of this world, but is already yours to enjoy. As you enjoy resting in him and honoring him on his special day, what a happy thing to give yourself unto and think about. To be so blessed by blessing the Lord on his day and remembering you are not slaves to this world, but saints in him. How delightful. If you'll allow me, let me read one more time the application, if you will, of the special reason annexed in Deuteronomy. You're not slaves to the world anymore. I've rescued you 
unto service to me in holiness. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. How delightful indeed, beloved. Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy so you can remember God has made and keeps you holy. Delight in your deliverance and your deliverer. Again, that is the message for you. Looking at the fourth commandment from the perspective of it in Deuteronomy 5 with the different reason annexed to it. Remember, you're not slaves anymore. I've recreated you into my own people. And the Sabbath day is your testimony to yourselves and to the world And on behalf of God in Christ, free indeed. Thank God Almighty, we are free indeed. Delight in your deliverance and in your deliverer. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do thank you for your holy day. Cause us to delight in it that we would truly worship you that we would truly delight in you, that we would truly rest in Christ. For you call upon us, Lord Jesus, to come to you as we are weary and heavy laden, and you will give us rest. And you especially give us that rest in the weekly Sabbath day to help us remember who we are as we anticipate and follow you towards the eternal Sabbath day. Bless us, O Lord, not to do or speak or find what we want. Turn our foot away from treading on your Sabbath as if it can be dismissed or done with what we will. Cause us to discipline ourselves more and more, O Lord God. Cause us to delight in deferring to you on your holy day. Cause us to delight in doing our duty to you on your holy day. That, that Lord God, you would bless us to delight in remembering our deliverance to delight in our destiny in Christ on your holy day, the Lord's day. As we do celebrate here now again your resurrection and thus it as the first fruits of our resurrection at your return. And we do say together as we gather today, as your people before the world, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And all your people said, Amen.